The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, let me say that again. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you can pretty much camp out there today. We're going to jump around a little bit in scripture, but mainly that's where we're going to be camping out today. We've been in a series for the last several weeks called The Rest of the Story, where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. We talked about how he wants to be a helper. We talked about how he wants to empower us, how he wants to be with us, how we can have a personal relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how there's another baptism where we can, that we can receive so we can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today I'm going to uh, focus in on one particular gift, and that is the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, um, if this is your first time at New Song, hey, we're glad that you're here, and I hope that this doesn't scare you, uh, and, and I promise, I, my, my goal today is to, is to hold everybody's hand and walk you through what the Word of God says on this subject. I, I have found this. There is a lot of prejudice when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, I say prejudice, and you go, whoa, that's a, that's a big word. Well, well, here's what prejudice means. It means uh, a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or personal experience. That's what a prejudice is, a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or personal experience. And so here's what I'm asking of you today. I'm asking you to have an open heart, to kind of, maybe you were raised differently, maybe you were raised in a denomination that told you that this had passed away, that this was no longer something that was in work in the church anymore. Whatever that may be, here's what I'm asking you to do, is to put aside whatever kind of preconceived ideas you may have and to, and to look at what the Word of God has to say with me. Look at what the, the reasoning of the Word of God has to say on this subject. I, I believe there's some of you here today that you, you don't know a lot about this. I'm going to help you understand it in a greater way. And I believe there's some of you in here that you have been filled with the Spirit and have a prayer language and know how to pray in the Spirit. I'm hoping today that you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what an amazing gift, what an amazing tool this is that we have as believers. So, so here's what I'm going to do. Since this is a little different today, I want to pray as we start off the message. And I just want to, as we pray, I want you to have a heart that says, God, I want whatever you want. I want to hear you today. All right, so would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, as we come to this subject this morning, we come and we, we offer ourselves to you fully. God, we want every bit of you. And we, want to, we say today that we want to hear from you and we want whatever it is you have for us. So we open up our hearts. We choose to have an open heart and an open mind and be willing to listen to what your word has to say and what your spirit has to say to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so the first, thing, first thing you need to understand is there's, there's two different kind of big picture categories when it comes to uh, praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. There is the gift of tongues, and there is the grace of tongues. A gift of tongues and a grace of tongues, and they are two different things. The gift of tongues, this is what the gift of tongues is. It's when somebody gives a, a, a tongue, a, a, a word that we don't understand, but somebody else is able to interpret it. And this is what we're called to do when we come together in a group setting like this in the church where there's unbelievers present and we're giving out a word because it's a gift and, you know, the gifts are for edification, they're for encouragement. And for unbelievers, in order for them to be edified and encouraged, there has to be an interpretation. All right, look at this with me. This is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. It says, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues 
and inquirers or unbelievers come in. So it's talking about people who, who don't know um, Jesus. They don't know, they're not used to this. They don't know what we're, what we're doing. Look at what it says. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> I think it's funny. So here's what it's saying. It said if, it, so if, we, if people come in and they don't know Jesus and they don't know about the Holy Spirit and they come in here and we're all just speaking in tongues, they're going to come in and go, these people are crazy. Why? Because they don't understand what we're doing. They have, they have no understanding of it. How are they going to understand it? They can't be edified by it. They can't receive encouragement from it because they don't understand what it is. So we're called in that setting, in a church setting like this or in a group setting that we may have, if we're going to pray in the Spirit or if, we, if God gives us a gift of a, of a tongue, that we would interpret it so that it can edify and encourage and help other people. Okay, so that's, that's the gift of tongues. The grace of tongues is this. It's a personal prayer language and it is beyond our natural understanding. So the grace of tongues is where we personally pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray in a, in a language that's not our own. And we don't understand what we're saying. It says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, look at this, but to God. Notice the message is not to other people. It's not even to us. It's to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So, so he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, and he speaks mysteries. All right? So, um... That word understanding there, just so you understand. Well, let me read this. Verse 14, it says, For if we pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That word understanding there, you could actually translate that word to be mind. Your mind. Okay, so in fact, 21 of 24 times in the New Testament that we read that word understanding, it's translated mind. So he says that uh, I, I pray and my spirit knows, but my, but, but my mind doesn't understand. Now I'm hearing some weird tones coming off my microphone. Does that bother everybody else? Do I need to switch? Yes? Okay. So I'm switching. You guys hear me? All right. I didn't write this, okay? All I've done so far is read you some scripture. So let me just say something. If you're here right now and you're hearing this and something's rising up in you, listen, nothing should rise up in you when you read the Bible. The only thing that should rise up in you when you read the Bible is the fruit of the Spirit. So if something's rising up in you, that's a good sign that maybe you were taught something wrong. And your flesh is kicking against this a little bit. This is the Word of God. This is God-breathed. I didn't write this. Paul didn't write this. The Holy Spirit wrote this. The Spirit of God wrote this. So so if something's rising up in you, I'm just saying, maybe you've been taught something that doesn't necessarily go along with what the Word of God has to say. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 16, it says this, otherwise, if you bless, now bless is another word for prayer. When we, we, get, we sit down to eat, we bless the food, right? Pray over the food. It says this, otherwise, if you bless or pray with the Spirit, that would be praying in tongues, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? It's talking about someone who doesn't understand. How can they agree with what you're saying at your giving thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For indeed, Give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Okay, so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, this is good, but if other people can't understand it, if you're in a setting and they can't understand it, it's not edifying them, then that's not how it's supposed to be used. Okay, so hopefully you're, you're following me. There's a gift of tongues which needs to be trans, translated so people can understand. It needs to be interpreted. And there's a grace of tongues. It's our personal prayer language. Now today I want to focus in really 
on the grace of tongues, your personal prayer language, because that's the, that's the one that we can really, all of us can walk in uh, very easily and can walk in on a daily basis and can really help us today. So I want to give you three points this morning that speak to what it means to pray in the Spirit, how you do it, how to pray in tongues, and what it does for you. Okay, three things. Number one is this. You need to understand this about praying in the Spirit. Number one, it is scriptural. It is scriptural. All right? Now let me ask you a question. Okay, here's a question for everybody in here. Is it ever wrong to talk to God? Anyone think that? If you think that it's ever wrong to talk to God, would you raise up your hand? Okay, no one in here raised up their hand. So we all believe, we all agree, we all believe in here right now that it's never wrong for us to talk to God, right? Okay, let's look back at a verse we just read. With that in mind, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, here it is, but to God. Okay, so let's recap. We just all agreed it's never wrong to speak to God. Right? Right? Amen? And then we just said, we just read a verse that said, when we pray in the Spirit, when we speak in tongues, that we're not talking to men, we're talking to God. So if we all believe that, if we all believe it's never wrong to talk to God, and praying in the Spirit is talking to God, then it's not wrong to pray in the Spirit. It's pretty simple. It's right there. It's, it's very easy. But see, here's the thing. The devil wants to convince you that that's not the case. He's working hard to convince you that this is weird, and this is, this is scary, and this is creepy, and you need to watch out for that, and you need to watch out for those kind of people, and that could really do some damage to your life. Because here's what you need to understand about the devil. He will do anything he can to, to stop communication between you and the Father. Especially if there's a form of communication you can have with the Father that is as unbelievable as this is. I'm going to show you this today in Scripture. And so he'll do whatever he can to lie to you, to put myths in front of you, to convince you that this is wrong. So let us just speak to some of those myths this morning, okay? I've got four myths I want to give you when it comes to praying in the Spirit. Here's myth number one. You can speak fluently the first day. But when you, if you get a prayer language from God, that you will be just awesome at it the first time you do it. That is a myth, okay? Now think about this. Um, when, a, when a child is first learning how to talk... Do they ever, have you ever had a kid in your home that they first start learning how to talk and they are just fluent and amazing at it day one the first time? No, right? They all start off and they're kind of, they have to develop, they have to grow in their prayer, in their, in their regular language because we don't start off just knowing it all. We don't start off having just this ability to be eloquent in our speech. My kids are no different. Uh, I remember when my son Gus was just a little guy, he was learning how to talk and he would say his L's wrong. His L sounds, he would use the W sound. And so Gus had this way about him, like he's a very, he learns by kind of speaking and talking. That's just kind of, he's a communicator. And so you would say something to him, and then he would repeat it back to you. So I'd go up to Gus and say something like, hey, Gus, we got to go to Lowe's. Daddy's got to pick up a new ladder. And he would look at me and get all serious, and he'd go, we got to go to Lowe's. we got to pick up a new ladder. And, and, and it's cute, right? And I didn't, as his father, when he said that, go, what is wrong with you? Why can't you talk right? No, I didn't do that because I love him. And I understand that he's just a little guy and he's developing in his speech. He's developing in how to communicate and how to talk. Now, yesterday, Gus turned nine. It was his birthday. He had a nine-year-old birthday. And he was saying his L words wonderfully. And he's been saying them wonderfully for years now. Why? Because he's had time to practice and develop and learn and hear other people and develop in his ability to communicate. In the same way, when, when we get a prayer language, you're not going to start off being as amazing as some of the, maybe the people who've been doing it for years. 
Uh, my mom is here this morning. My mom, when she prays in the Spirit, it legit sounds like a different language. It's unreal. It's really cool. But I've also been around people that have just been filled with the Spirit, and when they do it, it doesn't sound as good as when she does it. Now, it doesn't mean that she's better than them. They just are learning how to do it. They're just developing in it. You guys following me? So it's something we have to develop in. And, and see, what happens is a lot of people hear somebody who's really good at it, who's been doing it for a long time, and they start picking it up, and they're like, I don't sound like them, so maybe I don't really have it. No, that's not the case. You just have to develop in it. Listen, all of the, the developing that happens with our faith walk, we never start off just knowing everything. We have to grow. It's a spiritual walk we have with God. We grow in our relationship with God all the time, and praying in the Spirit is the same way. So a myth is you can speak fluently the first day. Here's another myth. You can't control it. That you can't control it, that, that, that it's just going to take you over one day. If you open yourself up to this, that one day, man, it's going to hit you, and you're going to be in Walmart in aisle four, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's going to hit you, and you're going to run up to the cash register and grab the mic and start speaking in tongues to everybody in there. It doesn't work that way. Thank God. Because listen, listen, this is important. If you take a note, write this down. It's a choice. It's a choice. You choose to walk in this. And I'll show you this a little bit later here in this. But, but understand this. Just like with all of the gifts of the Spirit, all of the things that God does, it's always a choice. For example, let's say that God gives you the gift of preaching and teaching. Well, it doesn't mean that when you receive that gift that all of a sudden you're going to go into a trance and out of control just start teaching and preaching. Like, I, I operate in this gift every week. I'm a pastor. I get up and I preach and I teach. And I promise you, I'm not in a trance right now. I don't come off the platform here and come up to Sarah and be like, what happened? I have no idea. No, I, I know. I also have never had it, like, happen where it just takes over in some random moment. Like, I'm hanging out at Chuck E. Cheese with kids, and all of a sudden, the spirit of preaching and teaching hits me. And I walk up and I, I shove, you know, Chuck E. to the side. And I began to preach and teach to the kids at Chuck E. Cheese. Hun, I don't know what happened. I was just eating my, my you know, Canadian bacon pizza. And the spirit of preaching and teaching hit me. And I just had to let these kids know. No, it doesn't work that way, right? Now, if we, we believe that, right? We understand that. Now, if we believe that about all the other gifts, why would we believe that it would be any different with the Holy Spirit? It's a choice. All right, let me, let me show you this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, verse 14 we just read this. But, but it says this, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Notice the word if. You know what if means? It means it's a choice. If I pray in the spirit. If I choose to do it. It goes on to say this in verse 15. What is the conclusion, Paul says? I will pray in the spirit, but I will pray in the understanding. I will. You know what I will is? It's a choice. If you were to come up to me and you say, hey, you want to go to the movies with me? I would say either I, I will go. Or I will not go. That's a choice. So this is a choice that we have. We don't, it doesn't take us over. Doesn't control, the Holy Spirit doesn't put us into some trance where you know, all of a sudden we can't control anymore. No, it's, it's something that we can choose to do. I had a lady here when we were first starting the church that wanted to be a part of our altar ministry team. And we were talking to her about how we do our altar ministry up here in, in the front. And uh, one of the things we were talking to her is about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and, and some of this stuff. And she said, well, I just want you to know that I, I pray in the Spirit, and I can't always control it. And so I, I, I can't promise you I'm not going to be praying in the Spirit for people when they come down. And I said, well, that's not in agreement with the Word of God, and I can't have you on our altar ministry team if you say that you can't control this. 
Because if an unbeliever comes down and she just starts laying hands on them and going for it, they're going to be freaking out. So there's a right way to do this. Now, and we can't control it. And understand this. 1 Corinthians 14, this whole thing, this whole chapter, Paul is talking about when and why and how to do this. Giving instructions for it. Why would he give instructions for something that we can't control? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so it is something you can control. Uh, The third point, the third myth that we can run into is, I could get a demon. There's people that believe it. There's churches that, that preach this. That if you open yourself up to this, you could get a demon. Well, Jesus addressed this. In fact, I talked about this uh, last week, or I talked about this when we talked about the, the three baptisms. Jesus said this in Luke 11, verse 13, or 11 through 13. He said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Now, remember that word serpent instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? That'd be a bad dad. Dad, can I have an egg? Yes, scorpion bite. Bad dad. Don't do that, dads. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so here's what God says here. Here's what we're told. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if if you go to your father, who's a good father, and you ask him for something good, he's not going to give you something bad. And notice he uses the words scorpions and, and, and snakes here, serpents. Now, what's interesting is one chapter earlier in Luke 10, he's talking about the authority that we have that he's given to us, and how he's given us authority over demonic influence. And as he's talking about this, he, he specifically refers to demonic influence as serpents and scorpions. Look at this, Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpent, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Okay, so in this verse, snakes and scorpions are descriptive of the power of the enemy. And then one chapter later, he says, if you ask me for a good gift, I'm not going to give you snakes and scorpions. Here's what he's saying. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get a demon. Okay, that's, that's just not how it works. God's going to, not going to allow that to happen. He's going to protect you. Keep you if your heart is open to God and you, you're going by the word of God to God to receive something from him, he's going to protect you. You don't have to be concerned, all right? All right, here's the fourth one. Some people have it, some people don't. Some people have it, some people don't. Fourth myth. I want you to know something. Every believer can pray in a prayer language. Every believer can. Every believer can pray in the Spirit, can pray in tongues. Um, I, I've heard people say before, well, if, if, God, if it's God's will, then maybe someday he'll, he'll give me a, a prayer language. He'll give me this ability. Well, well here's the problem with that. Um, the Christian walk is not about ability. It's about opportunity. You need to understand this. The Christian walk is about grabbing a hold of the opportunities that Jesus has made available to us. Think about this. God gave me this word this week. Um, salvation is not an ability. It's an opportunity. We're able to receive salvation because that opportunity is in front of us because Jesus had the ability. Jesus had the ability to do what none of us could do. Jesus had the ability to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, and be raised from the dead. And because of his ability, we now have the opportunity to walk in salvation. And because of his abilities, we now can step into these opportunities and then be empowered by him to have abilities that move us beyond our normal abilities into the opportunities he has for us in the world. Dang, that was a good word. But I'm telling you, it's, it's not just an ability. There's not like one day it's going to hit you and like, whoa, I have the ability to pray in the Spirit now. 
No, it's an opportunity that you have to reach out and receive and seize. Okay, so it's an opportunity. And listen, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Like, we hear that a lot. You know, infomercials come on about some new duct tape. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. I could duct tape my boat together. It's going to be amazing. We're going to hit the lake this weekend. That's not the opportunity of a lifetime. But this really is. This is one of those opportunities of a lifetime. And I want to show you this. So my second point, first point is, it is scriptural. Here's my second point. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. Praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues is a benefit. It's a benefit. How is it a benefit? Well, number one, it builds you up. It builds you up. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14.4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies. Edifies uh, also means build up. He who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So he says that when we pray in tongues, we edify, we build ourselves up. Now let me ask you a question. Is that, what's, what's wrong with that? Right? What's wrong with building ourselves up? Well, we read the word and that helps build us up too. No one has a problem with that. Jude 20 talks about this too. Jude 20 says this, but, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, notice, praying in the Spirit builds you up. Now, have you ever felt like, maybe in your life, have you ever felt like that there is like, just the world seems to be coming against you? It's like the world is trying to tear you down. The world's trying to beat you down. It's like there's kind of a, it's almost like there's a conspiracy against you. Anybody ever felt that way before? Like the world is just, this is just not going good. If you felt that way before, let me just tell you, there's a reason you feel that way. Because there is a conspiracy against you. The, the, the Bible says that the devil wants to seal, kill, and destroy you. He is working hard to ruin your life. He wants to steal all the things God has for you, away from you. He wants to kill you, erase your existence from this earth and from all of eternity. And he wants to destroy the work that God wants to do through your life. That's what he wants to do. And so he is working hard to do this. And so the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that we're to put on the armor of God. In fact, it says this, Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore take up the whole, everybody say whole, whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Anybody think we're living in an evil day today? Absolutely. And having done all to stand, stand. Another translation When it talks about withstanding the evil day, it says that you can stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming against you this morning. I'm sorry to have to tell you that, but it's true. He hates you and he's trying to ruin your life. In fact, the word devil, uh, the Greek word is diabolos. And and part of that, that definition of what that means is he's a penetrator. He's a penetrator. So, so here's what he does. We're to put on the whole armor of God. It's important that we put on all the armor because if we put on all the armor, we're protected on every side. So that's why it says all of it. Put it all. Do all to stand. Put on the whole armor because here's what the devil does. He's a penetrator. He comes to you and he watches your life and he looks at you and he's looking for opportunities to penetrate through your armor, holes where you're not covered so he can penetrate in and do damage to you and hurt you and do what he wants to do, which is steal, kill, and destroy. And so it goes on to talk about these different pieces of armor. Now look at this with me. Stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking up the shield of faith which is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Now notice something with me. Go back one, guys. Notice at the end of this, which is the word of God, is there a period there? This is New King James. This is the closest to the original Greek translation, which is the word of God. It's a semicolon, right? 
So let's go back to, to English, second, third, fourth grade, whenever we learn this. <laughs> Don't remember. But a semicolon, it's a punctuation mark which represents a pause. It doesn't mean that the sentence is over. It doesn't mean that the thought is over. It's just a pause. Now look at the next verse. Verse, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. See that? It's the Word of God. I wonder how many Christians are going through life and we think we have on the whole armor of God, but we stopped where we thought there was a period and there wasn't one. And so we're missing out on a piece of the armor. And because of that, we've left a hole. And because there's a hole, the enemy's been getting at us. You, you think, man, I got on all the armor. How is this still happening? Because maybe you don't have on all the armor. If, you don't, if you're not praying the Spirit, this is one of the tools, the gifts God's given us to protect ourselves. It builds us up. It protects us. Isn't that good? Anybody in here feel like you're as built up as you need to be? No. Pastor, I'm good. I'm built up. No. We all need to be built up. And that's a benefit that comes with being, uh, having our prayer language. Here's the next one. It covers your ignorance. It covers your ignorance. I love this one because I'm ignorant on a lot of stuff. Remember we talked about this. Ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorance means you don't know. And we all face stuff every day we don't know. We face situations. We face opportunities. We face stuff, and we, we don't know what to do. Well, here's what happens when we pray in the Spirit. This is amazing. When we pray in the Spirit, we go to God and we say, I don't know exactly what to do, but I know that my Spirit through you knows what to do. So I'm going to pray in this language, and as I do, I'm going to yield my tongue to you. I'm going to yield my understanding to you, and I'm going to pray in this heavenly language. And as I do, I know that I'm going to pray a perfect prayer according to your word, according to your will. I'm going to cover the bases I don't know to cover, and it's going to be an amazing prayer to you from my spirit to you. That's a pretty cool deal. That's what happens when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this. Verse, Romans 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. So we have a weakness. What is our weakness? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. This is a weakness that every one of us in here has. We don't always know what to pray. Our understanding is limited. Sometimes we think we know what to pray, but we really don't. But through the Holy Spirit, look what it goes on to say. But the Spirit himself, talking about the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's talking about praying in the Spirit. We can pray this prayer in our prayer language, and we can cover the things we don't know what to cover. That's amazing. What an amazing gift. When I pray in the Spirit, I can pray for things I don't even know to pray for. So here's the deal. When you don't know what to do, then you, that's, when you don't know what to pray, this is a great time to begin to pray in the Spirit. And, and realize this too. Even if you think you know what to do, you think you know what to pray, you don't, okay? None of us do. We don't know the situation. We don't know the future. We don't know what needs to be covered that we may not be covering. But the Spirit of God does. Because God knows everything, and he can pray through us. The Bible talks about how God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What that means is his understanding is higher than our understanding. So we can pray in this language. We can yield ourselves to his understanding, and he can pray through us these amazing prayers that cover everything that needs to be prayed. So, so let me say it like this. If you don't always understand, don't always pray with the understanding. If you don't always know what to do, I don't know what I would do without this. I'm telling you. I face stuff all the time. I don't know what to do. But I can pray in this language, and it helps me to cover what needs to be prayed. Let me, let me show you this one more time. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Or in other words, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm saying. 
but, but I'm praying to God. What is the conclusion then? This is Paul talking. What should I do then? He says this, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray in the understanding. He says, pray with your understanding, that's great, but also pray in the Spirit. Pray with both. Because you cover what you know to cover, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to cover what you don't know to cover. This is an amazing benefit. And, and I want you to know, I, I do this every day. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're going, where is this church going now? Listen, this has, been, this has been a part of this church from day one. I didn't just learn this last week. This is what we base this church on. This is what a big part of the core of our church believes and is doing in an operation. So don't think, hey, everything's about to change now. It's not. We're just, I want to teach you something that's so important to my life, to my wife's life, that you need to understand. We never always know what we're doing, so God has given us this, this amazing gift of being able to pray in tongues so we can yield our tongues to the Holy Spirit, so we can pray perfect prayers that cover the things we don't know what to cover. That's a benefit that we have. It builds us up. It covers our ignorance. Number three, it's a pure language. It's a pure language. All right? If you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 11. I want you to see this with me. This is really cool. Genesis chapter 11, we have the story of uh, the Tower of Babel. It says this in verse 1. It says, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Okay, let's pause there for just a moment. This is very early. This is Genesis 11. The Bible begins at Genesis 1. So this is very early in, in the world as, as we know it at this point. And it says that the whole world has one language. So my, most likely that one language is the original language. Now, here's my question for you. Um, what was that language? It wasn't English. Don't, please don't say that. Uh, it wasn't, I don't believe it was Hebrew because it wasn't until the next chapter that God calls Abram to begin the Hebrew nation. So I don't believe it was Hebrew. So what was it? Well, here, here's a question for you. When a child is learning to speak, what's the, what's the first language that they learn? It's the language of the house, right? It's the language that they hear from mom and dad, from grandma and grandpa, from brothers and sisters. It's what they hear. Okay, so most likely, this, since there's only one language, there's only one language, so most likely that the, the original language that Adam spoke in the Garden of Eden has not completely passed away and they've just developed a whole new language and thrown that one out completely, right? Most likely this one language is the language that Adam heard from God. So it's a, if it comes from God, know this, it is a pure language. It's a pure, perfect language. Okay, so look at this, verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. So they're trying to build this tower to the heavens. God sees this. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. Now remember that. They are one. They're unified. And it says, and they are one language. They're unified in speech. And this is what they begin to do. Now look at this next part. This is pretty amazing. Now nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing they purpose, purpose to do will be withheld from them. In the New Living Translation, it says, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Okay, so this is God talking, and he says, I see a group of people that are united in a vision, and they are united in a language, and there's nothing that can stop them from what they're doing. So what does God do? He comes down, because what they're doing is for their own purposes, is for their own good. So what does he do? He comes down, he confuses their language. Everybody starts to, you know, one day we're all speaking the same language, and all of a sudden you're speaking a different language, and you have to find a group of people that speak the same language as you, and you kind of find your way, and and it causes these people to, to break away from this project and move on. Now, fast forward to Zephaniah chapter 3. In verse 9, and God is talking about the Messiah who is one day going to come. 
And he says this about this Messiah. He says, for then I will restore. Remember that word restore. Restore to the people a pure language. That they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him. Notice, not to serve themselves. Not like the Tower of Babel, but they were trying to do there. It's to serve God. Look at this, with one accord. Remember that word, one accord. Okay, so is it interesting that God says here, as he's prophesying about the Messiah who's going to come, I'm going to give them, I'm going to restore to them a pure language. That means there was, see, restore doesn't mean he's going to give them something. It means he's going to give them back something, something that they had, but they no longer have. When was it that they possibly had a pure language? Well, it's that original language is what I believe. Okay, so, so look at what it goes on to say. Let's fast forward to Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost. The Messiah has come. Jesus has come. He's died on the cross. He's, he's been raised from the dead. He's gone away. And everything has been, pretty much been done except the people don't have this pure language that we're told is going to come. Now look at this. Acts 2 verse 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Notice that. They're unified. Zephaniah 3 says that they were in one accord for the purposes of God. They're in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit comes. And and God, here's what God does. He gives them back their language. He restores a pure language back to his people. And now his people can be united in cause united in the cause of Jesus Christ, and can be united once again in language, and nothing they set out to do is impossible to them. That's us, people. That's what God's called us to do. Through, the, through Jesus Christ, we can be united in the cause of the church of Jesus Christ in this world, and we can be united in the power of the Holy Spirit in this pure language, and, and there's nothing that can be withheld from us. That's amazing. Listen, when we pray in the Spirit, we, allow, we align our mouths with the heart of God. And nothing we pray with this language will be withheld from us. Because listen, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're not going to pray soulish prayers. You're going to pray perfect prayers. You're not going to pray in the Spirit for a Lamborghini. It's not going to happen. But when you pray in the Spirit, you can pray in total agreement, in total alignment with the Word and will of God. And you can pray that over your family, over your finances, over your marriage, over your career, over your future. This is an amazing gift, my friends. And I want you to know something this morning. I'm not going to force this on any of you. I'm not, because God doesn't do that. He doesn't force this on any of you. But I do want you to know that this is an amazing gift, and I I couldn't live my life without it. I really couldn't. There's too many times in my life, there's too many times in my days, in my weeks, that I, I don't know what to do. And through this, I can begin to pray and cover those things I don't know what to cover. I can build myself up. I can connect with God and, and yield my tongue to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to pray through me. This is an amazing gift. Paul said this. He said, uh, I, I pray in the, when I pray in the Spirit, he said, my spirit prays. Maybe it's time for some of you that you would allow your spirit to pray. You allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. 1 Corinthians 14, I read this to you last week when I talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Paul said this. He said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. And I want you to know as your pastor, 
I wish you all spoke in tongues. I really do. Why wouldn't I? It's a benefit. It's a blessing. It's so many things for your life. Why wouldn't I want you to pray in a way that helps build you up? Why wouldn't I want you to, to pray in a way that covers the things that you don't know what to cover? Why would, this is a part of your armor. Why wouldn't I want you to be completely covered and protected from the enemy? The Bible, the Bible says this. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you can yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit and pray prayers that bring life to you that are beyond what you can even think in your natural mind. The Bible says this too in James. It says that uh, no man can tame the tongue. No man can. The Spirit of God can. When you yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit, He can pray perfect. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in a situation where you just, sometimes stuff comes out of your mouth and you're just like, where did that come from? Listen, this is one of the ways you start yielding your tongue to the Holy Spirit. You gain control over your mouth so you can say the right things and stop saying the wrong stuff that's hurting you. Of course I want you to pray in the Spirit. Why wouldn't I? So how do you do it? Well, it's real simple. Remember, this is private. This is between you and God. So, so here's, here's my encouragement to you, okay? This week, during your quiet time, put some worship music on, have your quiet time, and then I want you to go to the Lord and I want you to just pray. And just say, God, I, I, want, I, want, to, I want my prayer language. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to pray in the Spirit. And then here's what you got to do you got to start praying in the Spirit. And, and understand this. You're, again, this is your choice. And you're in control. All of a sudden, it's not like something's going to hit you and all of a sudden your tongue's going to start moving. And things are going to just start coming out of you. Like you have to, you have to do it. You have to step out in faith. That's why it's good to do this privately on your own because you can... Work through it. And listen, as you practice, as you keep working on this, as you keep yielding yourself and inviting the Holy Spirit in this, here's what will happen. You'll find one day that you're doing this and this flow hits. And, you're, and, and you, you know that you're moving beyond yourself and you're moving into, and you know that you're covering things. And you say, listen, I may not know what I'm, what I'm praying, but I can sense what I'm praying for sometimes as I pray in the Spirit. I can sense I'm praying for the future of this church. I can sense I'm praying for some of you in here. I hope you know, you should be grateful that you have a pastor who prays in the Spirit. Because there's no way I could cover everything that needs to be covered in this congregation. But through the Holy Spirit, I pray for you guys all the time. And I don't even know it. I pray specifically for you. I pray specifically for my wife and my family and my kids. I pray over them. Listen, that girl that married me, I know I prayed for her in the Spirit long ago. No way that would have happened without there being some serious Spirit-led prayers coming out of this 15-year-old kid. You know, I was, I was talking to my kids about this this week. Just so you know, most of the time, what I talk to you guys about in here, I talk to my kids about all throughout the week. And so my, my kids, too, my kids are, are filled with the Spirit, and they pray in tongues, my, uh, my nine-year-old and my six-year-old. And I was driving down the road, and I was just refreshing them on it, talking to them about some of the things I was going to be sharing with you guys. And they just talked me, they're like, oh, Dad, yeah, we know. Mr. Brandon's been teaching us about this. And they started going into this whole thing, and I was just like, that's awesome. Our kids are getting this. Your kids are getting this. And we need to have faith like a child. Because listen, some of the easiest people to get filled with the Spirit and pray in tongues are kids. You know why? Because they just go for it. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Go for it. Just go for it. Don't be scared. It's just between you and God. 
I'm not asking you to get up here and do it. Some of you are scared of that today, but it ain't going to happen. This is between you and the Lord. So it may sound like gibberish at first, but that's okay. It's not to you, it's to God. But just step out. I'm asking you to just have the courage to try. All right? So if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to ask you something I ask all the time in here, which is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? And if you're here today and you've never received your prayer language, I'm going to pray over you. I'm just going to pray that this week, that as you step out in faith, that God would just step in and you would, you would step into that flow of being used by the Lord to pray in a perfect prayer, perfect way. Lord, I thank you for everybody in here. For everyone whose heart is open to this, God, I pray that this week that you would help them to pray in this prayer language, this amazing, amazing gift, tool, opportunity that's in front of us. Lord, we want to seize this. We want to be a church filled with people who are filled with the Spirit, who are operating in the fullness of the Spirit, who are operating in every gift of the Spirit, who are completely covered, who have no openings in our armor. Lord, help us to cover what needs to be covered. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And I ask that everyone in here who's open out, Lord, you would fill them up and give them their prayer language this week. As they step out in faith, you would anoint them to, to pray and anoint them to have the boldness to pray in their prayer language this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.